0: Welcome, everybody. It's time once again to grab your board right on into the surf and see if we can catch that sales pipeline just as it's curling over the horizon there with your uh, your master surfer himself, uh, Matt Hines. How are we doing, Paul? <laughs> okay. I don't know why I got the surfing image in my head a long time ago. Sales pipeline. It's just, it's its curling, well, it's growing, you know.
1: I mean, We're coming on almost two years of doing this show now, right? And I think that from the very beginning, you saw you, the pipeline became... You surf pipeline. I know you're doing the show down in Southern California. You're <laughs> exactly. probably staring out at the beach as we speak. I
0: am, I am. Uh, I, I'm on the beach, actually. <laughs> I,
1: that's, that's actually, I can see you, and I know that's not true, but here I, I am. Um, I don't, I may have you be, you may be staring out at the Southern California sunshine, but I am doing sales pipeline radio today from the beautiful Newark International
0: Airport. Oh, wow.
1: Outside of New York State. Wow. Um. Yeah everybody's jealous now right
0: well you were uh, always trying to if you're like what was that surfing movie where they went around the world in the 60s trying to catch the perfect wave you're always trying to find the perfect pipeline
1: i i'm, I'm trying to find the best place to possibly record the show so today's <laughs> sales pipeline radio thanks very much everybody for joining us by the way we are here every week at 11:30 pacific 2 30 eastern if you're joining us live and we know many people do thank you very much for doing so if you're joining us through the podcast you can find it in Google Play and iTunes Store. Thanks very much for doing that as well. Yeah, today we are recording live from the uh, American Airlines Lounge. I'm in some kind of a broom closet uh, recording this show, but, you know, have have, have microphone, will travel. We, every week here on Sales Pipeline Radio, are featuring some of the best and brightest minds in B2B sales and marketing, and today is no different. I am really, really excited to feature Ashley Asu. She is the founder and CEO of of endurance sales. She is a sales trainer, a sales consultant, and her background is just fascinating. We're we're talking here today with a sales leader and a sales thought leader who has an accounting background, who is a Six Sigma green belt. And we're going to be talking about how manufacturing best practices for continual improvement can apply to sales as well. Ashley, thanks so much for joining us today on Sales Pipeline Radio.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
1: So help me understand how all this happened. How does how does a an accounting and French major uh, go into manufacturing and end up as a sales consultant?
2: Well, I mean the uh, story should be obvious, right? A uh, girl dreams of having an accounting degree and a French degree, and naturally she ends up in operational efficiency and finance. But right. I I fell into it pretty much. I think like. Most of us, um, you know, the best opportunities are ones when you're open to it. So it was a journey, and people took a risk on me, and I'm very grateful for that.
1: So talk a little bit about sort of going. I mean, going out. Your time. You know, you spent quite a bit of time as an accountant, but then you then you were, went in-house to manufacturing organizations where you were an analyst, you were an audit manager, and then you spent quite a bit of time as a continuous improvement analyst. For a lot of people that listen to this show that are B2B sales, B2B marketing folks, may really have no idea what that actually means. Talk about what what a continuous improvement analyst does in the manufacturing world.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I was an auditor, so I did kind of best practice consulting for a finance process. Um, So looking for areas of risk, you know, that an auditor might be looking for. Uh, And then uh, was given an opportunity to move into supply chain and distribution and transportation And that's when I went from an auditor to being more of a business analyst. And once I was under the operational end and the manufacturing end of things, then, you know, really my job was to help the vision of the COO come true. And I did not have the proper skill set to do that. So, um, I'm always open to learning. And that's when I found out what Lean Six Sigma was and got my green belt. So continuous improvement or Lean Six Sigma, you know, it really has a branding problem. Because when you hear the word lean, you think, you know, I'm already lean. Uh, you know, my boss doesn't spend money Monday through Friday. So, you know, how could I possibly be any more lean? But it really is actually about a culture of building in a rigor and accountability towards setting data-based goals and then making sure that every day, maybe even every hour, you're doing actions that you tie to data that show that you're really going to move towards that goal. And if you don't, and let's say you have a gap, it's not treated as failure because failure is seen as a beginning in lean. So you really use it to actually start or trigger the gap analysis process. So that means you say, I have a gap, but really the most important part is understanding why does that gap exist? And what can I do tomorrow so that I'm better tomorrow than I am today?
1: So I think we see the idea of Six sigma. When I think of six sigma, I think of GE. I think a lot of manufacturing. When I think of continuous improvement, I think of that the concept of kaizen uh, from Japan, where you see, you know, it's uh, it's been baked into the culture of especially a lot of manufacturing, automotive uh, businesses. Is there a reason why this concept hasn't spread as widely beyond manufacturing? It seems to me that product development, software development, um, there's a lot of other systems that could really benefit from that discipline.
2: Yeah, agreed. Um, but unfortunately, yes, it's really unfortunate that I've actually seen it fairly common that even within a company, you can have an excellent continuous improvement program, like you said, by a GE or a Toyota or Johnson & Johnson, and they can do that within their manufacturing department, but they never are able to break down the silos to go beyond manufacturing, uh, even in the rest of the supply chain. So to actually move past the supply chain and then start looking at sales and marketing is almost seen like one of those sacred cows that you can't go into. And I think really it is the culture, especially in my experience, it's been the culture that stops that because if you see what you do as an art and not a science or as it cannot be improved upon, then really continuous improvement is trying to solve a problem you don't believe you have.
1: Interesting. So, you know, you spent a lot of time in-house doing this work. You started consulting a couple of years ago uh, for broader business business teams. And, you know, talk a little bit about the path of going, you know, from in-house to then starting your own business. I mean, I obviously had, you know from first, first-hand experience that can be both exciting and terrifying. But what was that path for you? Why did you decide to, to kind of leave the corporate world and go out on your own?
2: Uh, well, exciting and terrifying pretty much sums it up. <laughs> Uh, it's definitely the most fun I've ever had, but, uh, you know, I have a little bit of a sick idea of fun uh, because I really love struggling. And, you know, for me, it really was kind of the obvious, the scariest, but the obvious way for me to go because I had been labeled as, you know, a hypo or high potential. And, you know, I've had these opportunities to grow and, ultimately the path that was laid in front of me was to be a young executive and i had a couple external coaches and they built a plan and did a full assessment on me saying here are your gaps in your soft skills and in your technical skills and if you you know chip away at these things you're going to go down this path and i really had to sit back and say do i actually want that for myself and for me because i am not a patient woman i realized that if I stayed in corporate. I would go down that road like so many others, and I'd be an executive within the next ten years. Or I could jump ship, and I could do it within a year. And between the two, because I am so impatient, I decided to jump ship.
1: Nice. And so you, you were you spent quite a bit of time at Glasshouse House Consulting doing broader consulting, and then earlier this year you started Endurance Sales. What you know? What made you narrow the focus? What about the sales opportunity became? so interesting you decided to put your focus there
2: yeah great question so uh i did what i think most uh type a database problem solvers do i said i'm going to start a business because there is this rational database niche in the market and it looks like it'll be a profitable business and you know one plus one equals two therefore this is the rest of my life And I never thought to ask myself, am I actually passionate about this? Do I have a vision that I can build on in this company that actually aligns with my personal vision and brand? And I'm a little slow, so it took me a couple years to realize that that's what I should have done from the very beginning. And, you know, the irony is I actually coached to that in my corporate life, so I should have known better, but obviously it was a lesson I really needed to learn, so, you know, I kind of made peace with the fact that, you know, I knew better and, you know, I could beat myself up and say I was quitting and I was a failure, or I could just own up to the fact that, you know, we're all growing and there was an opportunity for me to learn there. So I decided, you know, what am I passionate about? And when I was really honest about that, it came down to really trying to take that world of lean and continuous improvement from manufacturing and bringing it out into sales and marketing.
1: Awesome. Well, I want to get a lot more into the, sort of that lean opportunity within sales and marketing, and especially in a couple minutes here we have before our break here at Sales Pipeline Radio. What you know, what 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 are some particular areas you've seen within the sales environment that you think uh, are are particularly ripe uh, for applying a lean and a Six Sigma type mentality?
2: From the highest level possible, so if we start kind of fifty thousand feet. Um, you know, the most macro view, you know, everything that you need to do is going to be based on culture. Um, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast, which, you know, I, we all kind of agree on. So if you know that your culture is your foundation, then that's where you want to start. And that culture for continuous improvement is really that root cause as to why, you know, 60% plus or whatever the stat is, I forget, of Lean Six Sigma programs fail in organizations is because you have to have a culture of humility and grit. And by grit, I mean kind of that mental toughness. Uh, because you're going to be going through so many iterations, and you have to actually be humble as a very first step, because that will make you open to being better, right? And, and to taking feedback that you need to have. So if you are open to it, then the next step is actually doing the work and kind of grinding it out. If you've got that culture of humility and grit, from there you can kind of get more tactical and then start to say, what can we do? And what's our vision? If you have that vision, you know, and not just saying, I want to grow and do better than last year, but actually a meaningful vision that kind of ties to the value that your customer has identified as what they need you to deliver to them, then you can start to cascade down without breaking any data links into goals that are meaningful to everyone. So it's not just we want to grow revenue by 5% and therefore I need you to close, you know, 20% more deals than you did last year. But it actually has this kind of what we call catch or negotiation between the people at the highest level and the people at the quote unquote, you know, lowest level or really people who are closest to the customer. And they negotiate on what they should be doing every day.
1: Interesting. This is fascinating stuff. We're gonna take a quick break here. We're gonna pay some bills. We'll be back talking more with Ashley Asu. She's the CEO of Endurance Sales. We're gonna talk a little more about the cultural changes required to transform the way sales and marketing work together and uh, the sometimes complicated nature of that and how Six Sigma and Lean can help with that as well. We'll be right back after a couple minutes. Sales Pipeline Radio.
0: In a world where the speed of innovation and change in B2B marketing has never been greater, the only thing bigger is the need for clarity, for a blueprint, for a guide to what's really working. And how about a way to apply it specifically today to increase sales pipeline growth, velocity, and most of all, conversion. That's what you'll find in the Modern Marketer's Field Guide. And amazingly, you can download it for free. HeinzMarketing.com, just like it sounds, H-E-I-N-Z-M-A-R-K-E-T-I-N-G. It encompasses the entire sales and marketing cycle, but in quick bursts with lots of specific, actionable ideas, strategies, tactics you can put to work right away, like today. The loaded table of contents helps you narrow in and tackle a problem. And it's something you can come back to over and over again as a reference guide. Why not download your free copy of the Modern Marketers Field Guide? It's free. Heinzmarketing.com, just like it sounds. H-E-I-N-Z Marketing.com. All right, back to Matt, the King of Six Sigma.
1: The King of Six I I don't I think it's this it's not a royalty based system. There's it's, just, it's kind of it's martial arts. So you get uh, you get belts.
0: You get belts. Oh, belts, okay. All right.
1: Um, this is this is this is fascinating stuff. I thank you very much again for joining us on Sales Pipeline Radio. We're speaking today with a former French major <laughs> who went into an accounting career and ended up doing Six Sigma work, and now is a is a Lean consultant for sales organizations. Just fascinating stuff. And as we continue here with Ashley, uh, I'm curious, how do you see this? How do you see this working and applying to companies that are really trying to better align sales and marketing teams together? We were talking before the break a lot about the cultural changes required and people's willingness to lean in and do something different. So if we're now asking marketers to embrace a revenue number, not just a lead or a activity number, um, well, that's different. And getting those sales and marketing teams to work together in an efficient way, well, that's different too. Where have you seen uh, sort of examples of that working and, and what are some lean strategies that can be applied to make that work better?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I, I actually heard it at, you know, at Dreamforce. So you and I met at Dreamforce, and I heard it quite a bit. There's a different perspective among certain sales individuals, and we'll say philosophy, where the job of a salesperson is to educate. The opposite perspective from someone who has a culture of humility and grit would say that my job is not to educate, it's to listen because if you're coming from a stance of humility, or you're leading with humility, you understand that the person who's actually the expert at the problem is the customer. So for me, I say that my customers are going to be sales and marketing people because they're closest to the problem. And my job is to listen to how they feel or frame that problem. So I might know the actual root cause because I'm a lean person, but if I don't use their language and I don't empathize with the way they feel it manifests in their everyday life, then we'll never be able to bridge the gap between us. So I'm, that's kind of the journey or the where I'm at in my journey right now. It's how do I change from the way we've always traditionally done lean. And I'll tell you every Japanese term and my expectation is you learn my language and then you learn my tools and then you change your culture and then you change your habits. And I essentially run you through this change curve you know, every day for, you know, years. Or instead, if I want to do this faster, I will meet you halfway and learn what are your gaps and then listen to you so we can get on the same page as how we're going to close them together.
1: So even even inside of organizations, I think, you know, in sales and marketing working together, you know, like, you know, is sales the customer, is marketing the customer, who's working for who? And I think that there there, there can often be sort of these, these power struggles Uh, among sales and marketing to figure out like, who's actually in charge, who's getting credit. Uh, And I think that some of those obstacles get in the way of those teams working well together. Where have you seen companies dig in on that well, where they're not, and and this is different than that external perspective of, well, the customer is actually the expert in spending time listening. How do you turn that inward to help organizations get better at managing just their own operations and and efficiency internally?
2: Yeah, I I would say, I've. I've had more experience in watching the struggle in defining who the customer is than actually seeing it done well, quote unquote. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it used to drive me crazy because I would have, you know, in Lean, as you're running, you know, a Kaizen, and Kaizen is Japanese for good change. You can think of it like a boot camp. You know, you're leading the event, and then I would have a sensei who'd be watching me to give me real time feedback to make sure that I was, you know, bettering my sensei skills because I was a sensei in training. And I used to look at him because it would drive me crazy. I'd be so uncomfortable watching everyone struggle, trying to define who the customer is. But the struggle is actually part of the process. Because at some point, you have to understand who the customer really is and who's paying the bills and who the customer is. However, you know, if you back off that kind of macro view, you do have deliverables to an internal customer. And that could be your boss, it could be your team, or it could be a different department. But ultimately, you should see yourselves as one mini company. So Mm -hmm. I think we kind of chatted about it a little bit. You know, right now we've got departments, and departments kind of have this, you know, data hoarding and territorial um, mind frame. And so we kind of split off our own world. But in Lean, we say anyone who's working towards a common goal is now naturally aligned in a mini company. So you have the freedom to reach that goal however you want to experiment but everything you do helps each other get towards the one goal
1: what kind of an organization is, is sort of required to lean in on this because i think i i like a, i like everything you're saying and it makes a ton of sense but i know not a lot of E.P.S. of sales that i consider kind of old school cowboys that might look at this and say this is a lot of woo woo and this doesn't i don't know how this actually helped me hit my number um but i think i mean i think as you're saying and i'm, I'm completely buying as well it's just the you know the the way that we work together and the relationships we have and our willingness to to lean in on those opportunities for improvement is really important so having that perspective um is 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 critical to improvement have you seen companies resist this uh, because they think it's because they they don't think it's as hard charging or or am I, am I barking up a weird tree there?
2: No, I mean, you're absolutely right. I I mean, when I started, I already knew who my ideal customer profile was because I had so much experience in trying to help people who ultimately were really not interested in what I was buying because mm-hmm. they did think, you know, well, this is too woo-woo, right, Ashley? Because You're trying to empathize and you're trying to, you're talking a lot about this psychological change curve. And, you know, I'm not a therapist, so I don't know what this is. And, you know, or there's the other side of where they didn't like how data focused we were because there is so much rigor. So we might have a lot of woo-woo, but that is because change is hard. And you Mm -hmm. can't push it on someone. You have to actually inspire it and build a pull from the bottom up. That's the only way you can actually change. So if you want to ignore the fact that people actually are afraid of change, you're never going to get past that emotional boundary, and you're going to continue to see it in your KPIs, your key performance indicators, or your data, because you're never going to hit your target. So you have to have that combination of that emotional and rational uh, tactics to accomplish it
1: where should people look if they're interested in learning more about uh just six sigma and lean in general i mean maybe not necessarily specifically to you know, apply to sales but i think it's um you know got, i, I know a lot of people have talked about it but they don't know about it and it seems kind of mysterious and also co- quite complex are there any resources that you would recommend people check out to sort of better understand the basic concepts behind lean and six sigma
2: yeah, I actually, um, kind of as a parting gift of when I left my corporate life, um, one of the books that everyone got was The Power of Habit. So, you know, if you're not comfortable with lean six Sigma or you think it doesn't apply, essentially a process is a habit cycle. And we all have habits. So if you read The Power of Habit, I think it'll kind of start to break it down and you can start to understand that we're really just talking about triggers, activities, and rewards. And if you want to change those, triggers, activities, and rewards, there is a very specific and standardized way that we have to do that as humans. Uh,
1: And I know that, you know, you're based in Salt Lake City. I know that you are doing some boot camps uh, for businesses there, too. Talk a little about the boot camps, and if people are interested and around, uh, how can they get involved?
2: Yeah, so we're all about experimentation and A-B testing. Um, If anyone is a fan of running Lean or the Lean startup, um, Ash Myra did this where he ran boot camps as a way to build his alpha manually uh, and to essentially get data points on what wasn't working in the process and what was. So in the same spirit of that, I have my first boot camp that I'm offering. I'm just going to limit it to um, 10 individual people here in the Salt Lake City area. Um, it will be a live boot camp. So if you're here, I'm a local, then um, that's for you, and we're going to go through that. And, uh, you know, we're open to how we're going to design it. So it'll definitely be a conversation, but the deliverables will be that we'll be able to actually um, get you an ideal customer profile and a process for refining that, as well as mapping out your sales process. And then we're gonna optimize that for you as well.
1: If people wanna learn more, if people aren't in Salt Lake City, but wanna learn more about you and your perspective and, uh, and more about applying lean strategies to, to the sales process, where can they learn more about you?
2: oh right now they can uh, find me on linkedin and uh, they can send me an email awesome.
1: and we'll make sure we've got those links in our in the uh, notes of the podcast that we publish here very soon last question for you ashley that we ask all of our guests if there was a mount rushmore of sales and i know that you your career has spanned a variety of different uh different uh, areas and focus areas but in your sales education if you can think of the people that have influenced you the most you know they may be uh, people that you have worked for, or worked with, they could be people that you've read and uh, sort of, you know, have been um, sort of experts you read from afar. But if you could pick, you know, two or three people that would be on your Mount Rushmore sales, who would that be?
2: Uh, that's, a good, that's a good question. Um, all right, this might be a weird answer, but I mean, you're talking to a girl who has a French degree and now she's in sales. So um, I'd have to say that because. I am someone who practices humility uh, that most of the people that I look up to or try to practice to be more like them uh, would never agree to be on a Mount Rushmore because they would see it as too vain.
1: Well, there you go. That's Paul, that might be the best answer we've ever had to that question. Fantastic. Well, I really want to thank you, Ashley, for joining us today. It was a fascinating conversation. Uh, if you want to learn more, definitely check her out online. Uh, we'll put links in, our call, in the uh, podcast notes. Speaking of podcast notes, Paul, if you like this episode and you want to hear it again, you want to share it with some of your colleagues, definitely check out salespipelineradio.com. Every episode of this broadcast past, present, future at salespipelineradio.com. We'll have a recording up there in a couple days. We will also have a summary of this great conversation with Ashley up on our website at heinzmarketing.com. Join us next week and every week Thursdays at 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern. We've got some great guests coming up to finish off the year and some surprises coming up for 2018. For my great producer, Paul, this is Matt Heinz. Thanks for joining us on Sales Pipeline Radio.
0: You've been listening to Sales Pipeline Radio. Brought to you by Heinz Marketing
1: and the Funnel Radio Channel for at-work listeners like you.